my whole plan was to go travel for a year and I'll like get it out of my system. It obviously just made me want to travel more. Went back to my job and I was more miserable than I had ever been at it before. <laughs> Pope, Queen Nomad, survivor of Dengue Fever. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm stoked to chat with you. Yeah, Where, happy uh, to be are, here. You're in Mexico City right now, yeah? Yeah, I just got here yesterday. Sweet. How long are you there for? Um, I don't know. At least a week, maybe two weeks. I didn't want to like book a flight out of here until I got here and decided if I liked it or not. Okay, and sweet. I think I do like it, yeah. So that's that's what I always do wrong when I travel. Like I I book my return flight before I leave, before I get there. Like or like that's what happened in Puerto Vallarta, right? Like I had to leave by a certain date, but I wanted to stay longer, but I I had forced my hand. So that's something I've learned from from you and and from the others that we met there like to just have a more casual approach to that kind of thing. Yeah, I don't yeah. book anything in advance pretty much any. I just book one flight at a time and then decide when I get there. Because <laughs> it That's also good. works the other way. Like if you get there and you're like, this place sucks, and now I'm stuck here for a week because I've already booked my travel. Well, that happened to you in your last place, right? You you weren't feeling um, Puerto Escondido. Yeah, no, I didn't care for it, but I had to spend the whole week there because I had the flights and hotels and everything. Ah, uh, okay, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Um. So, remind me how long how long you been traveling? I mean, I've been traveling like on and off since I was 19. So that's like 12 years, but not full time for the entire thing. Um, just different periods at a time, but I went like fully nomadic in 2020, not, yeah. <laughs> the January before the last January, I'm losing track of the years. Okay, so <laughs> before the virus ended everything, you were already traveling. Yeah, it was actually really unfortunate because I chose to like give up my apartment and get rid of everything I own to be a nomad probably like two months before the world shut down. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so what happened then? Uh, I was in Italy of all places and I just had oh, moved. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, and my plan was to spend like five months traveling through Italy, like hiking and eating my way through the country. And then, yeah, I basically got there and the government was like, get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That sucks. So yeah. where'd you go? Back to Canada? Um, well, at this point, this was like before it was actually declared a pandemic and no one really knew what was going on. It was when it was just a thing in China and Italy and like a few other countries. So I went, I just needed to get out of Italy and I kept having flights canceled. So we, I actually ended up going to Marseille in France just because there was a flight going there. Um, and the flights were going to end in a few days. So I went to France for a few days and it was completely normal there. Everything was still wide open. But then that week was when the WHO declared it a pandemic. And uh, Justin Trudeau was like, Canadians, come home if you're abroad. And yeah, everyone was panicking. So I actually ended up going home to Canada for a few months. Okay, cool. And then were you traveling around Canada or were you locked down in uh, Newfoundland? Did I say it right? Uh, yeah, Newfoundland. Yeah. <laughs> <Pretty good. laughs> uh, I w yeah, so the first few months, I there wasn't really anything open and we weren't allowed to travel outside of the pro or even within the province. Pretty much everything was closed down. Um, so I ended up just hiking a lot. I hiked this whole East Coast Trail 
around where I live. It's like this 300 kilometer trail. And then when things opened up in the summer, we had an Atlantic travel bubble. So with the other three provinces in Atlantic Canada. So I just pretty much spent my summer like road tripping around there. And then in the fall, I was like, I miss being abroad so much. And at that point, some countries were open, like Mexico, for example. So yeah, I just left in the fall to go traveling again and have been on the road since. Perfect. Okay, sweet. Um, when in this timeline did your travel blogging career begin? That's Is that how you would classify it? Yeah, so that actually began before all of this. So yeah, I should backtrack a bit. So in 2018, when I was still working full time at my like nine to five, I took a sabbatical, I guess, from work, a year of personal leave to go backpacking for a year straight. Cool. And yeah, and it was... That was when I started my main website, Explore with Laura. But at the time, like I didn't know anything about the business of blogging and it was just kind of, it was really bad. Like it was just like random entries every now and then, uh, no like knowledge of like SEO or anything like that. And then my laptop broke halfway through the year. And I was also moving like every two days between different places. So I didn't have time to like focus on it or learn about anything about how to make it a business, but it was like the beginning of it. The birth of it, I guess. And Get then, some of that domain authority. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was good. It was time, which is important. Uh, and actually, oddly enough, like some of those posts now do rank just by like chance that I happen to like make the title a like weird keyword. And it's really <laughs> embarrassing because they're so bad. And sometimes people comment on them. I'm like, oh my God, no. <laughs> so, so you left all your old posts up. Do you ever go back and edit them to... <laughs> for that kind of thing or are you I just do. gonna let it be <laughs> I do edit them and I've deleted a lot but there's still some out there that that shouldn't be <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. find them uh, yeah don't 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 dig too much <laughs> so yeah. you left you took a sabbatical from your nine to five but you were still like employed by whatever company this was right yeah I worked for Environment Canada like for the federal government cool. um and yeah that's basically the cool thing about this personal leave is you can do it once in your career. Normally people do it like when they're much older and they have kids and stuff, but I just wanted to take it to travel, but your job is completely safe. You don't get paid, but your job is like waiting for you when you get back. So my whole plan was to go back. I just thought like, oh, I'll go travel for a year and I'll like get it out of my system, which is really silly now when I think about that. (laughs) (laughs) It obviously just made me want to travel more. Yeah. So, yeah, I got back in January 2019 and went back to my job, and I was more miserable than I had ever been at it before. So Once you saw how good it could be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, there's absolutely no way I could do this for the next 30 years. Like, I got to find a way to, to travel forever. So that's mm-hmm. when I started taking blogging courses and actually doing the work to figure out how to make money from doing it and spent a few months doing that, um, saving up money from my job. And then, yeah, I made like a very small amount of money from my blog. And I was like, well, that's proof I can make some amount of money. (laughs) Therefore I can make more and I quit. Yeah, totally. So when did you, when did you jump ship from your, from your nine to five? Uh, I quit in, it was just after my birthday. So June 2019, so two years ago, yeah. Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. It's in four days. <laughs> Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Um, so, what was 
so was it as soon as you started to get any revenue from the blog that you were just like proof of concept I'm jumping ship or did you was there some threshold you were waiting for um there wasn't really like a threshold there was like a couple of factors like well one just my like pure annoyance with the job Mm -hmm. and just not being able to stand it anymore sure um the fact that I was making some money like I could see my page views were increasing I could see my following was increasing that was like motivation Um, And then randomly, I got invited to go on a press trip to Pakistan for a month. And I wouldn't have been able, because I had used at this point every single vacation day possible, like every type of leave possible in the government. Like there was just nothing left for me to use. (laughs) (laughs) So I knew that they wouldn't let me go on the trip. And it was such a crazy opportunity uh, that I I, I had to quit to to do it. So you... The, the press trip was not through your company. It was through, um, was not through the government. It was through some blog that was trying to hire you. Yeah. So it's, it was, it's actually a student run organization, um, at the university of Karachi. It's a city in Pakistan and they basically have this like program. It's called like, uh, international entrepreneurship. I forget the name, but it's like an entrepreneurship program. So you basically do like two weeks of, um, in the Karachi in the city where you kind of take like classes in the school and then you're like exploring the city uh, in the afternoon and nights and then they do two weeks like around Pakistan just like showing you the different areas and they basically want to promote Pakistan as a tourist destination because it's not a place that a lot of people go Um, so people pay to do this program but then to promote it they basically were it was like I think the year before they had worked with one blogger but this year they were working with I think there was 10 or maybe a dozen of us that were bloggers, YouTubers, photographers, like journalists, kind of like all different kinds of people. Okay. So you must have already had some level of audience or some metrics that that qualified you as one of the dozen bloggers that were invited. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I think at this point I had like maybe like 3,000 Instagram followers, so I didn't have a huge following. So it, it was honestly like really random to me at least i actually thought it was a scam when they yeah. first emailed me <laughs> I, I would have also <laughs> yeah <laughs> so this opportunity comes around and to, to go on this trip but if i'm not if i'm understanding the situation correctly you jump ship from your source of income before you had a surefire way to make a good amount more right like you you weren't already sustaining yourself with with blogging right no, not at all. But I had money saved up, which is something I highly recommend doing. If you quit your job and don't have like a full time income, you should yeah. definitely have like a safety net. That's a good idea. Yeah, um, that's good advice. So, what what happened after the Pakistan trip? Did that lead to other opportunities for you, or did you just like okay, now I got to figure something out and go from there? Yeah, it did. Um, I think like that was so that was pretty much all of August and then September I was traveling in Turkey just kind of on my own backpacking and then I again well it was through another blogger that I had found out about this um, press trip in Africa in Malawi to like on a conservation project with elephants and I'm really passionate about wildlife so you could apply to go um, and again it's like something that people normally pay for but they were taking bloggers or journalists to promote it. So I applied for that and then ended up doing that in October. 
when Laura says that she's passionate about wildlife, I would like to just quickly sidebar here to say that she has an entire Instagram account for stray dogs that she meets on her travels. <laughs> um, that sounds that sounds sweet though. So, are these press trips? Are they are they paid or are they just like they're just going to pay for you to go out there? Uh, so they can be both. Um, I'd say more often than not, they're not paid. But I have done since then, since I've grown my following, I have done paid ones as well. So they pay for like everything and they pay you a fee in addition to that. When did you start to realize that that the that you were gonna have some success? Cause like obviously now it sustains you full time. So what you know, your following your follower growth around the first trip was only around three thousand, which, you know, is it's not nothing for sure. I guess when did you start to realize that it was taking off? Mm, I don't know. I mean, to be honest, like I still suffer from like imposter syndrome and I definitely still have moments where I'm like, I'm a beginner blogger, like I'm still growing mm. when in reality, I'm definitely like more in the intermediate stages. But obviously, there's always going to be people that are above you. Um, but also, to be honest, like my blog itself, like doesn't I wouldn't be able to fully support my lifestyle just off that I do a lot of other things like freelance writing and That's right. content creation for other people that help support my income. That's actually one of the things I wanted to ask you about, and we can transition to that. So I would imagine that you have to write differently for yourself than you do for these clients that hire you, these other blogs. Do you write in a different tone, in a different style, or is it all like, I'm just Laura and, you know, explore with Laura? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say that it's very different. Like, I think people hire me because my tone matches their brand, mm. um, and it like I'll just write however naturally to me. I think for my own blog, like I'll write a little more personal, obviously, because it's about my own life. And then for these websites that I write for, I have editors, so they'll kind of edit it into their whatever tone they want as well. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Is it um, is it a pretty time-consuming process to to work with these companies relative to working for yourself, where you don't have to go through the revision rounds with an editor? Um, oddly enough, I actually find it easy. I find it less time consuming to write for other people. I don't know why. That's but, super interesting. Yeah. And it's not like super bad for like for one website I write for, there's not even an editing process. Um, and for the other one, it's usually just like a couple of quick things. Like it's not major, major edits. Okay. That's cool. Cause like in, in most freelance industries, um, I don't know if you classify this as freelance, but for most freelance industries, like the revision round process is like what makes projects a nightmare sometimes. So it's uh, it's good to hear that you don't have to deal with that. Um, do you do you feel that working with editors and working for other companies has improved your writing on your personal blog? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine because most I I think I think writing is you writing. And travel blogging specifically is unique because most freelance careers, you, the only person giving you edits is the client and they're not an expert on the subject matter. Whereas with you, when you're writing, the people that you're interacting with are also experts on whatever it is that you're talking about. So I could see how that would be a key difference. Yeah, exactly. And it's also made me a way faster writer, which is nice. Yeah, it's painful. Like no one likes having their work torn apart, but it's definitely made me a better writer. Makes sense. I remember in English class. Yeah. <laughs> um, so back to your blog. 
you can make revenue from a blog in several different ways. And I've been to your site, so I can see a few of the things you're doing. What, um, can you break it down for me? Like how, how does writing a travel blog for people who have never heard of it, like how does that make money for, for a person? Yeah, so like you said, there's a million different ways and any successful travel blogger is definitely not making money from just one revenue source. Um, the, pe- the thing that people always think people make money from is ads, which is true, but you have to have a very large number of page views if your only source of income is ads. Um, I do make money from ads, but again, like it's not going to support my entire lifestyle. Um, but there's like an ad, ne- there's di- sort of like different ad networks that you can apply to depending on the levels of page views. So Mediavine is a really good ad network that's kind of like a blogging goal for many people to get there just because they pay a lot more than other ones. Okay. And these are like, for people who aren't familiar, like these are like when you're reading a blog on the side or in the middle of an article content or at the bottom in the footer, like there's just like ads that be other companies and then a company like Mediavine would place ads there for you. So you don't have to make deals with all these individual advertisers. You make a deal with an ad network. Yeah, exactly. It's super easy. You just sign up and they pretty much just place the ads on your website. Cool. Cool. Um, What other ones you got? Uh, Other income? Like what other ways are there to monetize like a a travel blog or stuff that you're doing or stuff that you want to do? Stuff like that. Yeah. So affiliate marketing is a big one. If you're familiar with that. I am. Yeah. 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 So what (laughs) kinds of, what kinds of products would a travel blogger do that with? Just like I can imagine like water bottles and travel gear and stuff like that. Is that, is that what you're thinking? Yeah. So that could be one. Um, because yeah, I guess I'm an outdoor adventure travel blogger. So I do write kind of like gear guides for hiking. So like I'm an affiliate for like REI, those types of companies, but the best affiliates for me are actually booking.com is really good for hotels. Okay. Um, Airbnb had a really good affiliate program, but then they shut it down because they're jerks. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was working with a client whose entire business was, uh, was like pet friendly Airbnbs and it's just gone now. They can't, no income. Yeah. So brutal. Someone actually paid me to write a bunch of articles about Airbnbs in different cities and yeah, now they lost all their income. Uh, that's like the problem with like putting all your eggs in one basket is that they can just take it away anytime. That's why it's really smart to diversify with different revenue streams and different affiliates. Um, what's it like? There's different affiliates for pretty much everything, like Hostel World if you're recommending hostels, Get Your Guide if you're recommending tours, Viator, like pretty much anything you can think of, there's an affiliate for it. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, I do do that a little bit in my space too. Like um, there's like five or six softwares and like services and stuff. Uh, Nitro Pack, one you showed me, I'm an affiliate of now. Um, and there's other, like, uh, that kind of thing, like stuff that aids my world, like hosting stuff. Yeah. Like that. That's really funny. Cause I tried to become an affiliate for them because I have like blogger friends who I knew it would help and they would not <laughs> accept me. Cause they're like, you don't write about like website stuff. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be the travel blogger for travel bloggers. <laughs> yeah. Which I do um, not want to be, but <laughs> that sounds hard. <laughs> um, so when it did come to the point where, you know, you realized that this was going to be your career and you realized that you needed to start building a following on social media and, and all that good stuff, what, what, how did you start thinking about that? What steps did you start taking to start growing? Because obviously you can't just grow by posting organically on Instagram, right? 
I mean, you can. It's just like a very slow and painful process. Right. And now it's harder than ever. I guess I started a couple of years ago when it was actually much easier. Like oh, Instagram's yeah. kind of killed organic reach in the last year, which is unfortunate. That is unfortunate. Although I just had someone on here who was telling me uh, that if we do, if you do reels, you can still grow like you used to. So that's going to be something I try try out soon. Yeah, I was just going to say that actually. That is my strategy at the moment is I'm trying to do reels, and I have noticed that it's helping. Okay, cool. So yeah, because they're basically competing with TikTok, um, and TikTok you can actually grow really quickly organically on. Are you on TikTok? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw something of yours yesterday, actually. I remember now. <laughs> um, tell me about this uh, part of my arts and niche site you're doing. Yeah, so in the last year, like basically after the pandemic started, niche sites became super popular with bloggers because um, it's much easier to grow a website and to grow authority of a website in Google's eyes if you write about like one specific topic. So people just started making niche websites about cities or um, like a specific topic like hiking and they just found that like their domain authority grew so much faster than a general travel website and it's much easier to build links because you're seen as an expert and yeah I found a lot of success with it so I basically just jumped on that ship and I was living in Puerto Vallarta where I met you and fell in love with the city so I was like yeah this seems like a fun place to make a website about and there wasn't that many other blogs about it. Makes sense. There, there's just something about that place. It's just so cool. Yeah. Similar, similar to how you were saying, like you were trying to get your traveling bug out of your system for like a uh, with your year trip. Puerto Vallarta was meant to be like one of my last places that I did on this nomad thing, and then I went there. I'm like, oh, this just gets so good. Like I, <laughs> I haven't seen anything yet. So, yeah. Uh, you really yeah. haven't. <laughs> <laughs> No, after I met all you guys, I was like, oh boy. <laughs> I know. A long way to go. That's the thing is the more you travel, the more you find out about, and the more you want to see. So that's why I was have to spend my entire life doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a that's the thing that's different about you than I think most other travelers is you don't ever intend to stop. No, never. <laughs> Does that freak you out? No, it would freak me out to know that there was an end date. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure eventually I'll become old and tired and I'll want to like settle a little bit, but <laughs> not I think you told me, I think you told me when you're old, you'll go to America. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm actually going to America next month. So I hope that means I'm not old. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> oh, that's funny. No, just that like, you know how everyone always talks about like the American road trip, but I feel like a lot of like older people do that in RVs. Like, I feel like that's something I could tangibly do when I'm 70. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I could, 70. like, backpack the Himalayas when I'm 70, so. Never say never. <laughs> Do that stuff first. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with your prioritization. That, that makes sense. So um, the niche side thing I think is very cool. Did you know that when you were starting this out that in order to be successful as a travel blogger, you essentially have to become an SEO expert? No, I had no idea what SEO was. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Was that a tough learning curve? I mean, obviously, it's a tricky subject matter, so. I mean, like, I'm sure at the time I found it overwhelming, but now when I think about it, like, it's actually not that complicated when you just break it down. 
um, I guess it's complicated in the sense that it's like hard, like it's hard to do like the link building and it's hard to do, well, I love keyword research, it's one of my favorite things. Um, but it's hard to like make sure your post is formatted in the right way. But once you kind of get like the formula down, it's not hard to apply it, which is another reason why I wanted to start a second website because I feel like it's just so much easier. Like I mm. messed up my first website so much because I had no idea what I was doing. And like I was saying earlier, I have to go back and fix all those posts. But this one, hopefully I'm doing correctly. <laughs> do you um, Do you feel like sharing your formula with me? I'm curious. For, for ranking a blog post about travel? <laughs> um, well, do you have like a key, do you do keyword research? Um, so I don't do SEO targeting on my stuff at all, but I'm just curious cause you know, I'm a nerd. So like when you are doing keyword research, what, what, what kinds of keywords are you targeting, right? There's some that are really hard. There are some that are really easy. Are you looking for the ones that are in the middle? Are you looking for like long tail stuff? Like, what are you typically looking for when, you, when you're doing your keyword research? Yeah, so there's basically like a sweet spot between like volume and difficulty of the keyword because if a keyword is just super competitive and difficult, unless your website has a very high domain authority, you're probably not going to rank for it. So in that sense, it's better to go for a, a lower like difficulty keyword, which is typically going to have a lower volume with it. But then there's no point to write a blog post for like a keyword that has 20 views per month. It's just not worth it. Gotcha. So when you're writing these posts, do you have like a specific number of keywords that you try and target or are you only um, doing one per post usually? So typically you'll have like one main keyword, um, but something that's really good for SEO now is to have a bunch of secondary keywords that have to do with that main keyword. So yeah, there's some people that target like 50 keywords in one post. Um, I'm usually not that extreme, but yeah, I try to have like a good variety. It's actually much better. Like back in the day, you could just like keyword spam like the shit out of your post, just put that keyword everywhere and people would actually like hide it in the text. But Google is very smart and they have caught on to all of that. So you can actually be penalized now for having your keyword too much in the text. And it's uh, better to have keywords that are similar to it, but not the exact thing. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. So is there like a... I know there used to be this, like, you know, it needs to be a 1500 word minimum. That was like, a, that was a thing. Do you still find that that matters? Yeah, I think that the word count definitely does play into it. A lot of people say like, oh, you should have at least 2000 words. And my blog posts are typically that long anyways, just because that's what I write like. But uh, you can do like in the program that I use, Key Search, you can see like, when you pull up the keyword, you can look at a competitor analysis and it'll tell you the average word count for the top 10 posts. So what I always try to do is just be more than that. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, okay, so to shift off of SEO for a little bit, because I don't want to bore people who aren't as nerdy as, <laughs> as me. Um, what do you see it growing into? Like your, your brand, Explore with Laura, um, is it is it like you're just going to continue to grow it and see what happens or is there like a specific plan? Um, so what I would really like to do is have more passive income. So ads and affiliate marketing. And that's kind of why I started this second niche website, because that's basically what I'm trying to make it. And then I want to focus my site and my brand, Explore with Laura, on more um, 
I want to get more into like video and I want to work with more destinations and yeah I want to visit every country in the world so that's kind of what I like that's my goal but I also feel like that'll like become a big part of my brand like me trying to achieve that goal and going to all these crazy places and kind of having people follow along let's talk about visiting every country (laughs) you're you're at almost 60 right yeah 58 58 okay which ones are like when you think I mean there are a few that come to mind but like you're really going to go to North Korea right but but which uh <laughs> I guess I'll have which, to yeah <laughs> which uh which ones are are you most like apprehensive about and which ones are you most excited for <laughs> Oh that's a good question Um I I guess I'm really excited to travel more of Africa I've only been to two countries there, Malawi and Zambia, which were amazing. And I really want to, I love, like I said, I love wildlife. So I really want to explore like South Africa and Botswana. But then on the other end of that, I'm a little apprehensive about some of the countries in uh, Northern Africa that are a little more politically unstable. Mm-hmm. I think that will be tricky to navigate. And yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Luck- luckily, lifetime is long, so you've got to... Exactly. And you the thing is before your 70 road tripping across the US. <laughs> exactly. And there's so many people that have already done this. So mm-hmm. if other people have done this, why why can't I? I actually met a guy who told me that um basically what you're saying, like the really check the really tricky ones were North Africa for him and the ones that everyone thinks of like North Korea actually aren't that tough because there's like this ambassador program that you can exactly. get into and then and uh I mean, I didn't know that. I was like, oh, I got to try that now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I think North Korea will actually be... Well, you can do, like, one of those tours where they show you around and they everything's really fake, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not if we publish this video. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. They'll probably never take me now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they'll dig that deep. I think it'll be okay. <laughs> um. So as you're, you know, trying to generate more passive income through your business and more affiliate sites and stuff like that, um, do you think you'll ever have any hiring or do you intend to always be solopreneur or whatever the buzzword is? Uh, I mean, so I actually am hiring writers to help me with my Puerto Vallarta site now. Cool. Because I want to just like get the content up and I just don't have the time to write the amount that I want. And then I really want to hire a VA. I know you were telling me about a VA website and (laughs) that's high on my to-do list for sure. Yeah, I just recorded a video about that for my YouTube channel, just like telling people how to hire uh, VAs and stuff. Oh, send me the link for that, I'll watch it. (laughs) When it goes out, I will, yeah. So how has the process of hiring hiring writers been? Is is this your first time doing that? Yeah, it is and it hasn't been great <laughs> to be honest talk to me about it <laughs> um it's just I, I guess the problem is that right now because this website's not generating any income because i just started it mm-hmm. i am not willing to spend a lot like it wouldn't make sense to pay someone what i get paid to write an article so i'm trying to target like people who are willing to work for less which is basically what i started with when i started writing mm-hmm. Um, but then, of course, you're going to get, like, lower quality work. So I just find that the people I've tried to work with, like, so far, I've spent so much time editing the articles that I feel like I could have just written them myself. So I'm sort of still looking for good people. <laughs> Can I give you my hack? 
Yes. <laughs> um, find people who were in the position that you are in and make it an internship. So then you can train them over time and like oh, like three to four months from now when it, when it becomes, uh, you know, hopefully there's like a good pile of assets that these people have created for you and you've been coaching them and making them better, um, you'll have the means to, to promote them. That's, mm. that's a, a method that, because one of my other philosophies is I prefer to, to hire people that I think are trainable than people that already know everything. I just have had way better success with, with that in most parts of my business. Um, that's something that goes really well with, with, that, uh, with that approach. That's really smart. If it helps you. <laughs> that's a good idea. I'll try to do that. <laughs> what are you doing with, uh, with Trip Scout right now? Yeah, I started working with Trip Scout like maybe in two months ago. They basically hired me to, they are launching a newsletter that's called Five Minutes of Travel. And so it's essentially everything you could want to know about travel in your inbox every week. So I write that for them. And then I also curate content for them because they basically source like all the best travel content in one place on their website. Slash app. Cool. Yeah. Do you ever put your own stuff on there? Are you allowed to? Uh, yeah, like my site definitely goes into their feed, but we had a discussion about it and they were like, don't, it would be weird if you curated your own stuff. So like the destinations that I have a lot of content for other curators and the team oh, have okay. instead, and then they curate my content, which is nice, but that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. It would be weird if I just started <laughs> only my stuff. <laughs> Do travel bloggers like talk to each other a lot? Do you guys like have like these Slack channels, yeah. I imagine, where you guys give each other tips and stuff? Yeah, absolutely. The travel blogger community is amazing. Actually, it's probably my favorite thing about becoming a travel blogger is the people I've met. All of my best friends now are other travel bloggers. That's the oh, people that's I'm awesome. living with in Mexico City is another travel blogger. <laughs> um, Sweet. So yeah, we have, like, I met, I went to a travel conference a couple of years ago, and I met this group of girls, the one I'm actually here with in Mexico City, and we basically had started just like an Instagram conversation, and it, yeah, we just started having like monthly chats where we would kind of like hold ourselves accountable and like set goals, talk about what we're working on. It's super helpful to have people uh, that are in the same level or industry or sector as you, like... I'm in, um, recently I've, I've been in this, uh, like coaching group. I, I got added in as like a guest for something for other like web design agency owners. And it's like the first time in my life I've been chatting with other people in this same world as me. And it's like such a breath of fresh air to like be able to collaborate with people like, Oh my God, you understand what I do. Exactly. <laughs> How yeah. <weird> is that? <laughs> yeah. It's so nice, especially with the travel blogging. It's such a like question mark <laughs> industry <laughs> like it's so new and there's really like zero standards <laughs> um which is kind of yeah. a problem so it's really good when bloggers talk to each other i think that's actually why i didn't really have any success the first year i wasn't trying very hard but it was when i started like guest posting for other bloggers and joining like facebook groups are so helpful for bloggers um and doing that is when i actually started seeing success so yeah, i think that's key is collaboration yeah i mean in any freelance industry i think that's that's the case because you really <laughs> you're by yourself <laughs> it's freelance. yeah you're not going to learn anything if you just 
do stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. you will, but it's slower. Yeah, yeah. And actually, same with Instagram. Like, talking about growing Instagram, that's a really good way is just, like, kind of cross-promoting each other on different channels. Oh, okay. That's actually something I've really liked about um, podcasting, too, both for the cross-promotion and for uh, meeting people that have, like, obviously, we do different things, right? But there are elements of what you do that cross over with what I do, and I can learn, like, for example, the affiliate thing, like, you gave me Nitro Pack. That's a, that's a gift right there. <laughs> Nitro Pack is a gift. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can use my checkout code, sure, speed. <laughs> um, so one thing that I've started to experience is, like, when you get to a place and you're you make all these friends and you have, like, this awesome community, you're, like, constantly saying goodbye to people. Yeah. That really sucks. Do you ever get used to that? <laughs> uh. <laughs> you can't say yes or you're a sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I still feel like, I I guess I'm used to it in the sense that it's normal, but I still feel that sadness, like, especially in Puerto Vallarta when, like, when you left, I was really sad and... Good answer. <laughs> I was, like, I missed you, but, like, same thing, like, with, like, when Doogie left, I was sad, when Ryan left, like, every time, it, like, actually really wore me down after a while, because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm usually the one who's saying goodbye, so it was weird for other people to leave before me. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're, you, so, is, is, was Puerto Vallarta weird in the sense that your friends were all, like, nomadic? Um, yeah, it was just, well, that that wasn't weird, but it was weird in the sense that, I guess I, I don't, I normally, it's only really this year that I've started living in places for a couple of months at a time. Mm. And I guess just the timing of me being in Puerto Vallarta and it becoming the hot rainy season and everyone wanting to (laughs) escape that, it's unusual. Like when I lived out in Barbados for a few months earlier this year and when I left, like I, most of my friends were still there. So I was the one saying bye, but I felt like by the time I left Puerto Vallarta, at least with our group of friends, it was like three of us left. Is it really only three of you? That sucks. <laughs> no. Well, like pretty much at this point there is now, yeah, but it was yeah. it was dwindling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's cool because now like everyone's all over the place and like for example, um, Ryan, I'm seeing him like in two weeks or something because he's in Austin and I'm gonna be stomping through there for a couple of weeks. Oh sweet. Be it. Yeah, I'm it's it's sweet to have like such a wide network all over the place now. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, actually, honestly, a bunch of people are going to be in Mexico City this week. So, yay. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I'm planning on ambushing him with the podcast in person, but he doesn't know that yet. So, Oh, for his Ben Venture app? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, what other, like, when you're first starting off being nomadic and traveling around and stuff, what other challenges did you face? Like, obviously, you had to get rid of all your stuff in your apartment, like you mentioned. Was that a big emotional commitment for you? That was actually pretty easy because I had all, like, I think when I traveled in 2018 and I lived out of a bag for a year, that really solidified for me the fact that I don't need anything to be happy other Mm. than a week's worth of clothes. (laughs) So after that stuff became pretty meaningless to me and I kind of stopped buying it. And yeah, my roommate in Toronto was super happy to just like take most of my furniture. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then I gave stuff to Goodwill and I kept like a few boxes of things and brought them home to Newfoundland. The hardest thing for me, the thing that I think was actually stopping me for a long time was I had a cat and I didn't know mm. what to do with her because it's like a huge burden to be like, can you watch my cat indefinitely? 
Um, <laughs> but then Where my is that cat today? <laughs> so she's in Newfoundland. My sister, I was complaining about it one day, and my sister kindly was like, just bring her home to Newfoundland. Like, I'll watch her. So now your sister has a cat? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's actually really cute because my sister had her brother, my cat's brother, and they were separated as kittens, and now they reunited when they were 13. Now they live together. It was meant to be. You were meant to travel. Yeah. It's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> So you've got, I mean, obviously forward thinking is not the name of the game when you're traveling, but so you've got from here, you're in Mexico City, then you're doing Colorado, you said? Yeah, Colorado for probably a month. For a month. And is that like a, a counterbalance to living in Puerto Vallarta? <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I, need... I, I did the exact same thing. I think I told you this, but I, <laughs> I wanted to go to Colorado, actually, funny enough. It was like... After I got back from Mexico for a month, I'm like, okay, I need to, like, <laughs> I need to focus and be productive for a month and just, like, that's it. But uh, my car was in Nashville, so I ended up just going to North Carolina instead of Colorado. But I, I, Colorado's beautiful. Do you know where you're going? Uh, I'm staying, I'm doing house sitting, and it's just outside of Denver. Cool. Oh, yeah. you were talking to me about this. How are you getting housing through house sitting? Tell me about this. Yeah, house-sitting is amazing if you want to live nomadically in different places and you like animals. You can basically sign up for this website, Trusted House Sitters, and um, you make a profile and then you kind of just search locations and you can see people post, like, people it's people who are going on vacation and they want someone to watch their pets. It's usually dogs or cats, although sometimes it's, like, weird animals. Um, and then in exchange, you get to stay in their house for free. That's perfect for you. So. Yeah. <laughs> do you get like information about how much they expect from you like you need to be home during this time period or what's what's the uh, when you're looking at like these different postings for watching the house do they give you like what you need to do every day um yeah they'll usually have like a little paragraph about like your responsibilities and then when you so you apply for it and then usually you'll have a, a phone or skype conversation with someone before they accept you to make sure you're not a psycho i guess <laughs> and then they'll tell you more information and then they usually have like a like a starter pack that you can download once you're accepted into this set which has all the information super cool i'm i think i'm gonna start doing that that's pretty sweet yeah, I have an affiliate code you can use. <laughs> <laughs> I will use it. Gets you 25% off. <laughs> I feel like I'm spending way too much on housing when I go from place to place. You definitely uh, were in Puerto Vallarta. <laughs> <laughs> that was different. <laughs> that was fun, though. That was for fun. But, like, even still, I, 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 I'm just booking through Airbnb. Is there mm. a better method? Yes, it's always better to negotiate directly with the owner. Um, mm. So Airbnb is like good for finding places, but you're basically paying 30% more because of all the fees mm -hmm. than what if you just like found that person and uh, just rented directly from them. And actually, I was talking to Megan about this yesterday. And she gave me a really helpful tip because the problem with Airbnb is that if you message the owner and you put your phone number, uh, they will hide it. But she was saying that she just types out the numbers like as words. I tried that last week and oh. they still freaking realized what I was doing. Oh, really? Oh, no. So I ended up like writing like 
wrote out the number seven and the number four and then like i was like switching between letters and numbers and like broke it into three messages for this dude <laughs> oh okay yeah she told that me is... that worked for her i don't know i don't know these these apps have different restrictions on different people i've never tried it before but i mean there's other ways you can find accommodation too like facebook groups are super helpful that's how i found mine in barbados okay i would feel like kind of sketched out go doing that in like a like not America or Canada or Australia, like not not like a first world nation, you know, like if I was going and just writing, hey, does anyone have a place for me? I feel like I would feel safer doing it on Airbnb because there's like reviews and stuff, right? Yeah, that's true, I guess. But I don't know. I mean, you can always be, I, you know, I didn't accept it before I went and saw it. And then, yeah, Fair it, was enough. Like, it was a really nice apartment. It was just like this sweet old British lady. So, yeah, yeah it wasn't meet sketchy. Them, you could tell. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, there's Facebook groups that are specific for accommodation too. But yeah, I guess then you're not getting the reviews. But I don't know. I mean, Airbnb is like great for the convenience. I'm just kind of mad at them because of what they did to vloggers. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Laura, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Yeah, it's Uh, been fun. where, uh, Where should people connect with you? What's the best spot? So there's my website, which is explorewithlaura.com, but it's L-O-R-A. And then on Instagram, I'm the same at explorewithlaura or any social media. I'm on like TikTok, Facebook. It's all the same handle. Awesome. Guys, thanks for listening. And uh, Laura, thanks for chatting with me.